Well, we are excited to present our second episode of November, maybe dropping in December, uh, with a little bit, (laughs) with uh, a new voice you're going to hear for us today. And we want to welcome our colleague and the Director of Community Operations for CMAA, Catherine Lord. Uh, Hello. Hello. Thank you so much, Catherine, Catherine, for... uh, for pinch hitting it and jumping on with us. Uh, Catherine's an experienced podcaster, so we're excited to bring her into the fold uh, for today's interview. Um, As we really start diving into talking about what you should be looking for in your next job, your next team, your next club. And we know talking with a lot of our listeners that as they look um, at the landscape of employment in the club industry, that they may be looking for a new job on as one of their top priorities for 2023. And so, you know, as you're looking around this market, how can you best prepare? So I, I am, I'm bummed to have missed out on this conversation, but I'm excited to listen to it. But on this episode, we are talking about, you know, what you should be looking for in your next team, you know, club, your next job. And our friends over at Cop and Keebler and Wallace have joined us with their expertise. And KKW is a leading club industry recruiting and consulting firm and is a longtime CMAA education partner. In fact, they just re-upped their um, partnership agreement with us and we're thrilled to have them back on board. They bring a lot to the table uh, for us and for all of our members. So we are thrilled to welcome back to the podcast KKW principals, Kurt Keebler, CCM, and Tom Wallace, CCM, CCE, ECM. It is our pleasure to welcome back to the podcast, Kurt Keebler and Tom Wallace with Copland Keebler and Wallace. Thank you guys so much for being with us today. Thanks, Melissa. Nice to see you and Catherine. Yep. Yeah. Good to be here. Always happy to be on the old CMAA podcast. Awesome. Well, well, welcome, and we'll just kick it off. How are you both doing? Tom, you go ahead. You've got more to offer. Yeah, I always try to go with my senior, the senior member of the team first. But no, we're good. We're busy. Things are great. The as you all know, the business is bustling, and holiday season's upon us. So everybody's just got their head down, trying to get all their last minute projects and uh, getting ready. All our candidates are getting ready for a great uh, holiday season. So. All's well. That's great. And I would, I would tell you, it has been the biggest year that we have ever had. And, you know, people always ask us, you know, why is it? Are more people getting terminated and so on? And, and you know, we're always <laughs> careful to you know, try to correct that record out there. Because I think, generally speaking, maybe about a third, we don't have absolute numbers on this, but maybe about a third of candidates or clubs are retirement. Uh, situation. About a third are people that are moving to a new, you know, bigger, better job, whatever fits, you know, so they've consciously moved. And then about a third are probably terminations out of the whole thing. But it's been an exceptionally busy year. That's fantastic. Well, congratulations on a great year. And obviously to all of the candidates you've been working with over the last year and for their next endeavors. It's been fun. Lots of, uh, I, I think good success there with uh, finding the right fit, which I'm sure we may be talking about here. Yeah, well, I always like, I, you know, people always say, well, what's what's changed? I said, well, here's what I know hasn't changed. There's the, the industry is still starving for leadership. Uh, so clubs are looking for the next best, greatest leader. Uh, the good leaders are looking to become better. Those things haven't changed in my 
I've been in the club industry since I was 14, but almost 10 years with KKNW. And it, that's the one thing, no matter what COVID, the, the, the financial downturn in 08, 09, leadership is at a premium and everybody's looking to either be a better leader or find a better leader, uh, which is part of what we do. I, I think that leads really into our next question. You know, we're looking into 2023 and we've heard from a lot of our uh, listeners, you know, that this landscape is very different um, in terms of, you know, the last time we talked to you guys on the podcast about, you know, really what's out there and, you know, what, what is different that our listeners should keep in mind as they start thinking about maybe making that job change in the new year? Well, yeah. Well, there's a lot of things. I think the one big thing is it's a job seekers market right now. I mean, at the end of the day, if you're a talented leader in the club space or in really in any space, but really in the club space and, and you have a lot to bring, it's your market right now. You're going to be able to go out and get the biggest bite of the apple uh, when it comes to salary. You're going to be the most sought after. So uh, that that kind of ebbs and flows uh, through the decades. But right now, uh, there's a shortage of great talent. And uh, I, the good thing is the clubs understand it because they're dealing with it. The members are dealing with it within their own businesses, uh, but salaries are way up and uh, uh, the, the fight is on for the best talent in the industry and clubs know it. And, and uh, that, that helps us, but it also makes it more challenging as uh, people have left the industry. Kurt. Yeah, I totally agree with all of that. It's, it's been interesting because as we get asked, by clubs all the time, search committees, boards, and so on. It's a seller's market from a candidate's perspective, as Tom noted. And you know, I would tell you that pool of talent is a little bit concerning for us out there. We're, we're you know, we spent the day yesterday with uh, Mr. Morgan and others in in uh, New York at Randy Ruder's club with a governance leadership summit, and you know, talking about best practices and so on. Clubs are hungry for best practices now. I think we've got a better, still some work to do, but a better educated consumer in a board and, and a membership now looking for best practices, better uh, leadership and so on. Good news from COVID, as most everybody has seen, is the, the speed of innovation that historically has been way behind in the club space has now exponentially increased and clubs are looking for innovation, keeping things fresh, leaders who are as relevant as possible. And, you know, I think clubs have broken a little bit of, you know, where this is the way we've always done it mold. And they want somebody who is very cognizant of you know, how to leverage um, high tech to improve high touch, how to be, you know, every club Tom and I talk to for a search almost to a club says, we don't want to run the club. We want to be strategic. We want to be, you know, stay out of operations. We need somebody who can run all that, but also be a really good thought partner with us on the strategic issues. We, we want the smartest person in the club space in the room to be our GM COO. Yeah. Yeah. And I would just add, Kurt, one of the other things that does I, I, we're always scared about the lack of talent, but the one thing I love about the young people coming in the industry is they're bringing the skills that future club uh, members and board members are looking for, which is ownership of the business, 
creativity. Uh, and those are things that these young people, they may not want to work 70 hour work weeks. That doesn't mean something's wrong with them, but they're bringing a level of energy and creativity. And the thing that used to work against clubs uh, versus say hotels was that we move so slowly and change so slowly. But now, I mean, we really, because of COVID, we're moving and creating at faster levels than hotels, you know, 10 times uh, the speed that they're moving. And that's gonna, I think, attract some of these younger folks because they're really, that's what they want. They wanna be in a very dynamic work environment where their ideas are, are accepted. You know, they're gonna have some good ones and some bad ones, but they wanna be in an organization that's gonna let them try some fun things out. That's another great segue, Tom, because our next question is, what are the most important features that you should be looking for in your next club? We know, obviously, salary and benefits, but you've just talked about innovation and, you know, the ability to try out ideas. So what are you hearing from folks that they're looking for in the club? Yeah, I think there's there's kind of three pockets I always look at. I think holistically, you should be looking for certain things in a job, no matter if it's a GM, an AGM, chef, anything. Uh, and I think those things are, you know, really culture of creativity. Uh, you know, you, you want to go to work for someplace that has a track record of, you know, being at the tip of the spear, doing things, not following the other clubs in the neighborhood, but leading those clubs in that region or that neighborhood. Uh, a culture of transparency. There's got to be great transparency from the board to the GM, from the GM to the, the department heads all the way down. The flatter the organization in the future, the better uh, you're going to be able to relate to your millennial workforce because they feel engaged and part of it, they're in. If they feel outside of it, they're gone. So it's it's really important. Uh, technology. They don't want to go clubs again. Maybe back in the day weren't considered the tip of the spear there, but we've really evolved and started to use technology like Kurt mentioned, high touch, uh, high tech, high touch. Very important. And then the last thing is like the work life synergy. Uh, we have a saying in the firm, there's work-life balance in hospitality clubs is hard, but synergy is important. So we talked about it yesterday. You know, it's not every weekend off, but it's a weekend or two off a month. It's not, you know, it's not 60-hour work weeks. It's it's responsible five, maybe five long days, but two days off some sometime in that week. So I think that's synergy. I think those are the four things, no matter what job you're going to, you need to be focused on uh looking at i think and kurt i'll let you jump in here i think there's some uh for for non-gms what, what if you're an agm looking to go get a new agm job i think there's a, a pocket of things you should look for and then as a new gm i think there's four or five just key key best practices that i think you've got to make sure are in place to be successful kurt you want to jump in on either of those either the new gm or an agm looking at a gm to work to work for yeah, and I think a couple of things on on each one of those. Um, you know, for a, a going to a new GM role, I think the consumer, being the new GM uh, who's looking at this, is a much better educated uh, leader in most cases these days. And you know, back when I I was in the club management uh, side of the industry, I'm not sure that I ever even thought to ask, you know, tell me about the history of people in this role or tell me about how governance uh, transitions work. I'm not sure I ever really thought that much about that, but now doing what I do or doing what we do, you know, there's got to be seamlessness to the handoff. You can't, you know, stop and restart 
every time a president turns over, or you've got to understand why, what the history has been in supporting the leader in that role. Because it's, it's a, such an alignment balancing act to have the volunteer leaders and the paid staff. And I, again, I think both sides, managers are getting much better educated. I think boards are realizing they're setting their clubs up for failure if they don't do a better job on that. We talked a lot about that yesterday at the governance leadership uh, piece. So continuity in the organization is critical. And then as an AG, you know, someone aspiring to be an AGM or one of those other roles, you want to know, as Tom said, that you're going to work for somebody who is going to take that personal interest in helping to develop those skill sets. There are a lot, and Tom, and we're not going to mention any clubs as I say this, but uh, Tom and I know lots of iconic brand name clubs out there that were you to hear there's an opening, you think, oh, I want to go directly to that club. Uh, because of the name of the club, it's hosted a championship or it's got something that is iconic that way. But if you don't look beyond under the rug and learn the history of the person that you're going to mentor under or work under, and if they're not a good mentor, you know, I'd rather go for the unnamed club with a great mentor than the name club with someone who doesn't care about my professional development. Yeah, I, I think, you know, if you're a new GM, you've got to make sure that the board, committees, I really want to see how informed are they? Are they using data to make decisions to, or are they still making emotional decisions based on that group that's in power? That, I think that's important as a new GM. Make sure they're inform, you, you have informed leaders. And leaders in a club are the staff, that's the, the department heads, that's the GM, but it's also the board, the committees, uh, the committee members. Are they educated? Are they oriented? Do they understand the business and how the business of clubs are done? You know, I, 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 I tell GMs all the time, these are the questions you need to be asking. And uh, some of them know that intuitively, some of them wouldn't think, but you need to make sure if, it's not to say you couldn't take that job, but you would need to know that you would have to be, you know, are there any pillars in place or am I gonna have to start from scratch building up informed leadership, strategic leadership? Is the board trying to tell you what soup to serve and what food to be uh, put on the menu or are they staying at a high level doing the things that a board should, thinking about where is this club going to be in 5, 10, 15 years, and how do I make sure that we it's it's here for another 100 years? That's how a strategic stewardship is. Stewardship is something I think that gets lost, I think, unfortunately, with boards and committees. They, they start focusing in on their projects sometimes uh, or what's important to them as they use the club. But really good stewards of the club realize that this is a 100-year-old club, and it's going to be a 200-year-old club, and you won't be there anymore. So what? why you had a chance to make it better, did you? I think that's important. And then empowered management and team. You know, how well-known is the team in the industry? Do they, do they come to CMA events? Are they getting continued education? And then, obviously, a compelling member experience. You don't have to have the best amenities, but you need to have whatever you have it's got to be something that the members enjoy and they're very satisfied that's what i think from a gm position i actually think the development of the future leaders in this business depends on the g the the, the junior managers asking the right questions don't go to work for a club that doesn't have a reputation for development like kurt said if this person hasn't put out a couple of great leaders go find someone else you've got to find a good mentor so that you can continue to climb. You need to have someone that inspires you. We know that young people in the industry don't care about the logo on the shirt. They care about who it is they work for. 
So you've got to work for someone that inspires you. So ask those kind of questions and you'll know in 20 minutes if, when you interview with someone, whether or not this is someone that's going to really fire me up and make me want to do be my best, or this is someone that in a year I'm going to be really interested in a new position. Um, obviously team engagement, make sure that they're very engaged in taking care of their team. I think that's always important and it's, much more focused on now, but it hadn't been. We all know this five years ago when you talk about team engagement and work-life balance, it was just like, shh, we don't want to talk about that. But now it's at the forefront, but make sure they actually have a, a, a process in place to make sure that they're doing all the right things for their employees. Obviously a community pillar, young people want to work for something that's seen than as bigger than what it is. It, yes, we're a club, but we're also an industry that does all these things for all these different colleges and all these different community. There's so much philanthropy in the club space, but I don't think we advertise it enough. Young people wanna know that we're, they're a part of a company that's giving back that empathy, obviously, yeah, emotional uh, wellness as well as physical wellness. I think all those things are things you should be asking your, potential future GM about. Uh, they may not have everything in place, but they should at least be able to talk uh, in a clear way about their plans around those areas. Well, yeah, you yeah. Go ahead, Kurt, I'm sorry. No, I, I said I was gonna say all that too, yes. Oh, you're, you're, <laughs> well um, you, you certainly started to touch on some of the red flags and certainly going going to work for someone who um, is not interested in promoting, you know, your future pathway um, is certainly one of those red flags. What other red flags should our listeners be looking for as they're going through this process? What are the things that stand out? Go ahead, Kurt. Yeah, you know, I would say, you know, trying to figure out whether or not there is, there's an ability by the, the person or the, the club that's looking to hire you, whether they can even articulate what the culture of that club is and then testing somehow to see if it's just words on, on a you know, credo card or whether it's something that they actually live by. Yeah, and it's probably the opposite of most everything Tom just talked about, but you know, is there a compelling member experience? You know, tell me about that member experience. It's, it's kind of interesting. I was interviewing somebody a couple of weeks ago and they were talking about journey mapping. And in fact, I had a conversation earlier today with somebody I'll tell you about later, Tom, but um, he was talking about having been to this iconic club and you know, say, let me take you on a walk through my eyes. And it was really an interesting discussion that I had with him because he said, this is what I'm picking up from my walk into the club and the experience that I have, how uh, comfortably and readily a staff member greets me or not, uh, you know, looking at the, you know, the, the detail awareness of how the landscape is done or how the parking lot is clean or how the bags are taken out of my car when I, when I drop off there. Understanding that whole experience and, and, and or lack thereof and training down for all of that is, is certainly part of it. If, they, if a club can't tell you how they make decisions or if they tell you that the decisions that they make are you know, based on five people bending my ear before I walked into the room, and that's my my modeling or my surveying uh, extent. That's probably a red flag. You know, it's interesting in this day and age that one of the major uh, pillar components that we see in the high performing clubs are a really strong foundation on 
the staff experience. If we don't have a great staff experience, you're never going to have a great member experience sort of thing. So understanding how they, you know, we like to call it talent recruitment, talent retention, and talent development equation works. And thinking about even those those words, and maybe it's just, uh, you know, the this, you know, sort of PC world that we tend to live in these days, whether rather than say hiring uh, someone, we're selecting talent. Um, I think people who get ingrained in that, that's how, you know, Ritz and many of the iconic brands have really driven their branding and the, the you know, most of the people we've recruited out of Ritz, for example, over the years, really live it and they believe it if they've had good long-term success there. So, you know, getting that ingrained into the club world, I think is, is really, really important. And then just understanding brand awareness, you know, what is our brand and our reputation in the industry? and in the local community? Is it something that when you say uh, Acme Country Club, do people light up or do they go, oh yeah, uh, you know, why would anybody want to work there? You know, understanding all of those components I think are really helpful. Yeah, that, that I couldn't have said it better myself, Kurt. Those are just, I think you've, you can ask questions that right away and uh, that tell you if they understand their brand, they understand, making data-driven decisions. They understand how important the human capital aspect are. If they don't answer quickly and in a smiley way because they have an answer, that usually tells you they don't have an answer. And uh, the other thing is ask to, ask to talk to the person that's leaving. Uh, if they absolutely don't allow that, that's there's probably something there. Ask to talk to a couple of people that are there about the, about what it is, what it's like working there. Uh, end of day, nobody's going to have a perfect day every day, but at the end of the day, you should have enough good days stacked that you should let anybody talk to any one of your employees that's considering joining the team. And if they won't let you do that, that's probably the best culture thermometer there is, uh, especially in hospitality. I think that's a great reminder, Tom. And, and the way that you both are describing this, I, I sort of envision someone walking in for an interview or walking in for a tour and you have to be a sponge. You're you're looking at, you know, the interpersonal uh, relationships with staff and members and members with members. Um, so beyond, you know, asking these great questions and being really observant about all of the interactions from the parking lot into, you know, to the 18th hole, what other kinds of things should folks be aware of to get more of a pulse on what the culture is like? Yeah. And, and I'll tell you, people uh, older, I, I count myself as an older manager, you need to be prepared to be interviewed. The, the old days of you ask the questions because you're in charge, that's not how it happens anymore. They're going to come in and they're probably going to have, and quite honestly, the best people have the best questions. But be prepared to, you know, they're going to put you on the spot. And if you have a great product, which so many great clubs do, they're ready. They, they they love those questions, but if you're caught off guard by someone that's got a lot of questions, uh, it, it's going to reflect poorly. Or if you get perturbed by somebody who's got a lot of questions because they want to know more about the club and the environment that they're coming into, yeah. Yeah. that's going to turn, turn them off and, and send the wrong signal. Yeah, you're right. So I guess, you know, something to glean from that is to come with a lot of questions, that it's okay to come as the, you know, as the talent coming in and interviewing, coming in with a bunch of questions, it's not, it shouldn't bother anyone. And if it does, that's, 
information for you. You know, Catherine, on that, you know, it, it, we, as you might imagine, uh, interview hundreds of people, um, probably every year, hundreds of people in, in one shape or another. And I'm, as I say this, I'm thinking about those candidates that are sitting with us in front of a search committee of some sort. And the average search committee is probably seven people. So there's usually nine of us in the room, uh, the seven candidates, you know, Tom or me and uh, the seven uh, search committee members, Tom or me and the candidate. And process wise, you know, as we're going through and, you know, trying to get everybody to know one another and so on. And we usually let the candidates wind up an interview by asking questions of the search committee after they've been grilled. And every so often, Tom, you can probably think of many of these like I can, where I can't have, uh, well, you know, I've only got one question for you. And, yeah. and the question is like, you know, so left field. And so we don't coach him on that, that you've got to come in with this, 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 and this. But we certainly appreciate when they don't assume that they know and have heard everything without asking a single or multiple probing questions out there. And then I'm always also really somewhat taken back when a candidate will have some questions, but it will ask what, you know, there, there's factual questions and answers, and then there are subjective questions. And they'll take, you know, at, at uh, verbatim that when one person answers a very subjective question that he or she is speaking for the entirety of the search committee. And I'm thinking, make everybody ask answer that question because there's so many different perspectives around here. They may not be accurate on that. So we like it when when people are intuitive enough to know that this is subjective. I need to hear from everybody. This is factual. You know, we have X number of members or, or you know, that's an easy one that one person can answer. So kind of interesting as, as you see how thoughtful and probing candidates are too or not. Right. Absolutely. And how reflective of what would be required once they're in one of these jobs. Are you asking one member to speak on behalf of all members or one staff person to speak on behalf of all staff person? No, you can't possibly. Yeah. Yeah, you're not getting feedback in clubs from just one member. Certainly not. wish they only had one member giving them feedback. Yeah, we'd sign up for that, though. They would say, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, the other thing, Tom, you probably get like I do on many occasions. Well, I asked our tour guide that question, so I already know the answer. When the tour guide isn't even typically part of a, a um, interview group, and probably hasn't even be, been pre, uh, you know, doesn't even know anything about a candidate and, and what's important at the club. They're, they're usually just tour guides that, that are really good ambassadors, but don't have the depth other than what it is that they're showing somebody. And somebody will take their input as verbatim. So that's another mistake I think we see out there. What else on that? I was going to say, Kurt, earlier you mentioned about retirements and the volume of retirements that we're seeing in the industry. And we're seeing a lot of um, a lot of great opportunities becoming available. And I know for a lot of our mid-career professionals, they're wondering about, you know, is this the, the right time to take this leap? And and what what would you really counsel them on on considering to make that kind of move and knowing you're ready to make that kind of move? Yeah, Um you know, a lot of what we've already talked about, Melissa, you know, understanding, am I a good fit? Just because the club has this name or I just because I want to become a GM doesn't mean it's the right fit. 
and that fit is not just the culture of the club and and so on but it's is it in an area that you know on the half of your life that you're not at work are you going to be happy living there and again we always appreciate when candidates are thoughtful about that side of things so i would tell you end of the process of going through you know this whole endeavor that we put you through to be a candidate for us it's pretty rare that somebody isn't a good you know doesn't have the technical ability and you know is it rare that somebody isn't a good fit to do the job and to fit into the culture of the club but the other half of that are you going to like living in that area and are you miserable going home or miserable on your days off or miserable because you're too far from family so it used to be you know back when i got in the business we jump for the job and the family would catch up and you know they'd come kicking and screaming and you're just you know trust me you're going to enjoy it you know that isn't the case any longer and uh, i think we appreciate when people look at that yeah i think most people you know it's it's hard with retirements in some cases not in every case because i can think of a really good one and a really bad one i'm not going to name the clubs but um after long tenured leaders retire there are those times when we want you to come in and we're already at a high level and truly a high level not just a you know optical high level and most people want to be able to make a difference right away of some sort and you know there is a difference in hitting the low-hanging fruit piece that in some cases you know oftentimes in retirement situations a lot of the members of the team have been doing things the way they've been doing it because that's the way we've always done it uh type thing and there's some low-hanging fruit there there are other times when um somebody retires and you literally know they haven't changed anything process procedure sop furniture since 1986 and there's a whole bunch of work that can be done you know pretty quickly that will bring you up to speed and you're not going to be breaking china along the way that that people are going to be upset about so just understanding the dynamics of that i think you know understanding how you're going to develop the team and what that synergy is amongst the team and whether they're going to embrace a new leader and then you know ultimately you just want to know i think in most cases that this is going to be a club that if i have most great leaders are constantly hungry even at the end of their careers to learn more you know we always love it when we go to a professional development session and you've got me grady uh in the in, yeah. you know yeah. who's you know what what hasn't he achieved at right. 94 or at however many years old that meat is and this you know, one of the most wonderful people in the world who still loves to be educated mm-hmm. and you know we we love going into clubs that that are hungry to have somebody who isn't uh, feeling like they've achieved the pinnacle they know how to do it all and they don't have more than more to learn we like clubs that promote that yeah that's i mean that's exa- if you if you're you're ready for a change those are exactly the things the cultural fit i think that's the magic sauce for anybody to have a long progressively wonderful club career is that you know and people are saying well how do i know if it's a good cultural fit it's like well ask them how they you know these are my secrets to figuring out the culture of clubs when i'm working with them is tell me about how you orient your people tell me about how you orient your new members and if they again if they are shuffling their papers you know okay well they're they're not really focused on that as much as they should you know i always ask how do you deal with feedback from your employees and your members and then they're like oh we we deal with it and it's like well how do you get it 
And then when they're like, well, we just get it by walking around. I'm like, oh, I always find that great clubs get it formally. They get their employee feedback formally. They get their member feedback formally. That, and then most importantly, people always say, what, what are one of the, there's a handful of skills I think you have to have to be a great general manager. One of them is you have to thrive with feedback because feedback is gonna come at you in a fire hose. And if you're someone that doesn't thrive at taking that feedback and being able to filter out the stuff that's no good and you're, you're not gonna be able to do anything with, but also better the mem member and employee experience with, that's a culture thing. That's a culture thing. If you, you're really bringing in people, making sure they understand what, who you are, what you are, what you're expecting, and then constantly asking for their feedback, your members and your staff as you're going. Those are really good things that tell me about the culture. I always also like to ask, I said, who are the most important employees here that don't have a title? But if they left, the, the members and the employees would be just heartbroken. Who are they and how have they established themselves as these linchpins when they're really in kind of medium tier jobs? And you can learn a lot about the club and its history by who are the employees that really are the culture and the heart and soul of the place, but they don't have a title, but the members would be sad and the employees would be sad if they weren't there. Uh, those are just a few of my kind of tricks of the trade as I'm digging in, trying to figure out a club's culture. Uh, and that's what I think. If you're thinking about a change, make sure the place you're going to is a good cultural fit. If you get that right, like Kurt said, almost everybody can do the blocking and tackling, but if it's not a good cultural fit, you'll struggle. As you're talking, Tom, I'm also wondering, you know, if, if somebody goes in and they're asking these great questions to understand what the culture of the club is, also imagine that your candidates need to do some self-discovery, what's important to them culturally. So a cultural fit for me is going to be different than a cultural fit for Melissa. Somehow we both here work at CMAA, so this particular organization works for us. But for, for these clubs that are so distinct and have different cultures, Kurt, to your point, is it important that your family likes the area? Is it a good area for young kids or for, you know, whatever? So what are some questions that folks can be asking themselves about when they're trying to match up with the cultural fit of a potential club? Go, Kurt, you want me to go? You go ahead if you're if you're ready. I'm, I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah. You know, I always I always had uh, when I, I I don't know the questions, but I know one of the things I would always tell interns when they they said they would I would share my Lumina, I would share my behavioral assessments with them before they joined, so they would see who I was as a leader. I thought that was always very helpful. And then they and then they would say, well, what are you looking for? And I'd say. If you're, if you're not competitive, if you don't have a servant heart and you don't have a curious mind, you won't do well working with my team because I, we may not be the best at everything, but we're, we really wanna be. And I said, we're always trying to find new ways to be better. And, I, and, you, know, that, that, and you have to enjoy taking care of people. And if you don't really get a buzz out of you know, making somebody have the best dinner they've ever had, best family event they've ever had, best round of golf or whatever it is, uh, you won't fit. And I, I literally had interns tell me, I'm not that competitive. And, you know, I don't, I'm not like, that's not my energy. And I'm like, that's cool. I'm like, you, because you would fit in for a little while, but eventually our culture will wear you down because we're not, 
we don't say, wow, that was a great event last night. We literally put that, now it's like, how do we make it better next year? I used to have interns that would say, at the end of a long night, you make a sit and talk about things that went well and things that didn't. And then you start talking about the next year and I'm exhausted. And I was like, I know, I'm sorry, but that's just the way our culture is. We want to know, and some people loved it and thrived, but some people didn't. And I think that's about, again, I was, we were really in touch with what our culture was and we put it out front so people could say whether they wanted to get in or get out. I don't know about questions, but I think it's it, a good leader will share those kind of things with you that who they are as from a behavioral assessment perspective, what they expect from their team members. Uh, and that usually should help you figure out, but you're right. Not a lot. Everybody's like, Oh, I'm competitive, but in reality, are you really, uh, you know, do you, do you get up every day saying, how am I going to be the best at what I'm doing? And not everybody's built like that. So I, I think honesty in that way, Kurt, is probably very helpful from the, from the leadership. And I think your question, Catherine, is self-awareness is great. And candid self-awareness and the ability to articulate your self-awareness is really good. You know, because I'm, you know, I'm always sitting in an interview and, and asking, you know, somebody, well, what do you really think you're best at? And then, okay, now give us some examples of how, you know, we would see that come out. Because it is, you know, I may say, I'm, you know, I'm a really good, you know, financial uh, uh, analyst. Well, okay, tell us, you know, give us some real concrete examples as to how you use that and how that has bettered the club. You know, where do you think you need to improve in that whole toolbox of, of you know, competencies? When I hear the, well, you know, I just need to know when to go home, you know, thinking that you're going to win the battle when you, when you give this, this perspective or uh, you think that we're being impressed because you work as many hours as you do. That isn't, you know, what we're, we're, excited about hearing. Uh, you know, we want to hear how you best utilize your time. And, you know, you want to dig in more deeply on all that and see whether somebody truly does have self-awareness. You know, to Tom's point too, in Luminous Spark, or we use Profiles XT, or we've done other Myers-Briggs derivatives out there. It's always interesting because we've got all that stuff in front of us when we're asking those questions. So if somebody says, you know, you know, I'm really good at, at this, and our behavioral analysis tells us something different, and then they can't articulate it all. It, it's pretty interesting. I also love it when somebody, you know, and Joe Crane probably uh, told me this, uh, or you know, when I, I, I we placed Joe at Farmington ten years ago or something. But one of the most insightful questions I heard a candidate ever ask a club president was in Joe's interview where when it came time for him to ask questions of the search committee, he turned to the president and he said, Mr. President, how do I disagree with you? And I just thought that was so insightful because, you know, everybody wants to hear yes. You know, what happens if you don't believe that the answer is yes and you've got to be able to deliver an appropriate message and now you've asked somebody to put you on notice exactly how they want that message to be delivered. They they can, but they shouldn't ever be um, dismayed if you then deliver a no the way they ask you to deliver it. So really an insightful perspective. And we love people that, and that's probably why he's been uber successful at Farmington for as many years as he has, because he has that insight. What a creative question and a way to say, 
more than just what meets the surface. Exactly. Kind of yeah, I never thought of that, that question of. Uh, yeah, uh, I envisioned some of my past presidents and me asking that, and I don't think that would have landed well. I think they're <laughs> like, "What? Aren't you just going to say yes to everything I want?" No, uh, we we, uh, we can't do that. No, that's a great question. Yeah, Joe, that is a great question. Hello. I well. Go ahead, Melissa. I was just going to say, there's so many great nuggets, and I think we could really, you know, tap into more of your expertise uh, for for hours on this. But I know you guys have been busy over at KKW with a couple of projects your own of your own. Can you tell our listeners where they can hear more great advice from your entire team? Yes, Hannah, our our uh, she has got me straight out. She's like, don't forget to mention our podcast when you're on a podcast, and I, I guess that's the first rule of podcasting. <laughs> it is, is absolutely the first rule of podcasting. I said, you know that, yeah, yes. You're on with Joe Rogan uh, next week, aren't you, Tom? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, not quite yet. I, I don't think. Yeah, we have our own the KK and W Leadership Podcast. You could get to it through our website, but it's also on SoundCloud, Apple uh, Podcast, and Spotify as well. Uh, so yeah, we have some great, and those are just conversations I, uh, with myself and two two general managers that I call kind of friends and just kind of get a yin and yang to leadership styles. And it's it's been a lot of fun. It's been uh, great. We probably have six or seven up there now and have a few more scheduled for 2023. So yeah, that's a lot of fun. And you ju just get to hear some nuggets from some of the best and brightest in the industry. Fabulous. Well, we will make sure to link those in our um, podcast notes for everyone so that they can uh, directly connect with you. Can't thank you both enough for your time today um, and for sharing all your expertise. You bet. Thank you. Our pleasure as always. So much. Yes. Okay. Um, all right. Well, that was a great interview. I have the privilege of listening to this as I'm editing it. Um, so you guys did a great job chatting with them. Um, what were some of your favorite takeaways? Well, one thing that stood out to me is how we should be prepared going into interviews um, and club tours or exploring a new opportunity, being aware about the culture. And I think we talk a lot about it. And in this discussion, we had some pointers of questions to ask, what to observe when you're going to a new place. And I think folks are getting more and more aware of the impact of culture on their work-life mm -hmm. balance, on their happiness at work. And so doing the due diligence of recognizing what's important to you in terms of culture is so important. Absolutely. Definitely. I think that's something we've, we talked about it in one of our other more recent interviews and that will be coming out later this month. But, um, but yeah, that idea of culture and work-life balance and especially how those two things can go hand in hand and, and deciding what's a good fit for you based on what you want out of your workplace experience. That's a great tip for sure. Melissa, do you, do you have anything that stood out to you? I think the thing that stood out to me most, you know, we, we talk about, you know, the, this, the current environment being so different post COVID and, and just really, it is the job seekers market. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, the thing that, that both Kurt and Tom said, and I wrote it down and kind of underlined it a couple of times is that, you know, the most important thing is the soft skills that the leadership has always been at a premium and building that, you know, it's really not a question of, can you do the job? Can you do the mechanics of the job? Um, but being able to bring your leadership skills 
and develop those is so, so important. And that really hasn't changed um, regardless of the pandemic. So that really stuck out stuck out to me of, of what really hasn't changed um, for the industry. So, awesome. so important to develop those skills. For sure. I mean, I think that's something that's top of mind all the time, regardless of pandemic or not. <laughs> like, we're always thinking about that and thinking about growth opportunities and, and what things can look like moving forward for ourselves in the future. Once again, it got me so excited about this industry. (laughs) You know, I think there's so much opportunity and this workforce is so exceptional in the opportunities that they have to hone those soft skills, to really provide experiences um, across the board for the members and for their fellow staff members. Um, I think it's it's exciting to to think about all that's out there for job seekers right now. Totally. I mean, it's, it's a, it's, what'd you say, mm-hmm. Melissa? It's a job seekers market at the moment. Mm-hmm. It really is. Um, and far be it from me to plug a, a CMA tool while we're here, but I mean, CMA Club Careers, which is our online job board, is is teeming with opportunities. So if you're if you are listening to this and you are currently thinking, well, maybe I want to start looking for my next step, um, I definitely recommend heading over to um, the careers section of our website. We have four different job boards to take a look at. Um, if you're a student and you're looking for an internship or maybe a, a summer part-time position, um, we've got those there. We have some entry-level positions as well, but there's a lot of that mid-management and upper-management level um, opportunities to be to be taken if you're if you're interested so definitely check those out as well well ladies is there anything else we need to wrap up on this episode before we we sign off and ride off into the sunset of this episode just encourage our listeners to stay tuned for our two final episodes of the 2022 year. We're going to be highlighting some of the best moments, and we have a, a great interview coming up with the 2022 Club Executive of the Year. So uh, make sure you make time to uh, to listen before the end of the year. Definitely. All right. Well, Catherine, thank you so much for joining us on this episode and picking up my slack. <laughs> it's really my pleasure. <laughs> it's always a pleasure to have you as a voice and to thank bring you. your thoughts to the table. So we're always happy to have you. Um, but until next time, I'm Kyle, that's Melissa, and that's Catherine. And thank you for listening to Let's Talk Club Management. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye. Thanks, Kyle. Take Bye. care. Let's Talk Club Management podcast is a podcast of the Club Management Association of America. Since 1927, CMAA has been the largest professional association for managers of membership clubs throughout the U.S. and internationally. The objectives of the association are to promote relationships between club management professionals and other similar professions, to encourage the education and advancement of members, and to provide the resources needed for efficient and successful club operations. Under the covenants of professionalism, education, leadership, and community, CMAA continues to extend its reach as the leader in the club management practice. CMAA is headquartered in Alexandria, Virginia, with more than 40 professional chapters and more than 40 student chapters and colonies. Please learn more at www.cmaa.org org.